Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, what is up? Welcome to Watershed. It is so cool to be with you guys uh, today. A couple years ago, uh, I just got in my car. Uh, it was the first time actually driving by myself in South Africa. We do this thing where you can only drive officially by yourself at the age of 18. Kind of sucks. And if you're like 15, you're like, dang, you have to wait three more extra years. South Africa is a little bit behind in that regard. But um, so a couple years ago, I remember driving, uh, just got my license, it was pretty sweet, and uh, the movie Tokyo Drift had just kind of come out around that time. You see where this is going. Um, I thought it'd be really cool to try this whole drift thing. You know, that shouldn't be that difficult, right? Um, Yeah, you can clap because I was an idiot. I remember driving, and there was this one place in this neighborhood um, that was kind of like very, like, lots of curves, lots of turns. It was like ups and downs, like wide turns, like shorter ones. And I thought, you know what? I've, I've done this before. I've done this on grass. And that's pretty simple, right? You drive on grass, and you just, like, pull up the handbrake, and you just, like, slide out. It's like, woo, this is pretty cool. Let's try this in that neighborhood. Uh, and so I did that, and... Uh, I may have shredded my, my mom's, it was my mom's car, I shredded the tire off of the wheel, um, and I, I kind of went home, and I was like, mom, I'm so sorry, I got a flat tire, uh, she was like, this looks like more than a flat tire, I was like, you know what, sometimes crazy things happen, and I'm sorry, I guess, um, she still doesn't know that I did that, so if you see my mom in the next week, oh, by the way, she's coming here for my wedding, so that's pretty cool, um, just promise me that you won't tell her that it was actually me who uh, messed up her tire. But um, this whole idea, I've just been thinking about it as we continue our Radical series. We, we've been doing this series called Radical, and, and last week, Emilio kicked us off with this idea of a radical relationship, that you and I can have a relationship with God. And the fact that we can have a relationship with God is in itself radical. It's crazy that the God of the universe would be as so kind to invite us into relationship with God himself. And so this next talk that we're going to be doing in the series is about righteousness. It's about repentance. It's about turning. I I know that if you were at church this morning, you heard Jeff Norris do an incredible job telling us about repentance. What is repentance? But this is what repentance is in case you were wondering. Repentance is this idea of turning. It's actually more along the lines of it's a changing of your mind or your mindset, it's a changing of direction. So foundationally, the word repentance, you've probably heard that when you've been reading the Bible, things like God's kindness leads to repentance, or uh, these people came up to Jesus, I mean the disciples, and they were like, hey, what shall we do to be saved? And, they were, and Peter was like, well, obviously repent. And they were like, oh, what does that mean? But they knew what that meant because they went ahead and they did it. And so I'm hoping that today we can get a glimpse of what repentance is. 
Repentance foundationally is turning. It's a turning from sin and it's a turning to God. But I'm hoping to communicate at the end of today, tonight, that there's a better idea of viewing it and it goes like this. We don't necessarily turn from sin and turn to God. Rather, it is in our turning to God that we turn from sin. It is in our turning to God that we turn from sin. Here is the big idea. This is where I'm going today. So if you're writing this down, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to fixate on the entire talk because I'm gonna keep alluding back to this main idea. This is it. Radical repentance or this idea of repenting is this. It is seeing your sin through the lens of seeing God rightly. And this causes us to turn towards him and away from sin. I'm gonna say that one more time. Seeing your sin through the lens of seeing God rightly causes us to turn towards him and away from sin. There's a character in the Bible, his name's David. David was, for lack of a better idea, he was a man after God's own heart. He had it all. Listen, when David was a young man, he was out tending his sheep. This guy named Samuel showed up and, and, and kind of was like, yo, I'm anointing the new king, but I know it needs to be in this family. And so like he checked out all the other brothers and they were like, good looking, they had it all together, they, you know, they had the cool job, whatever. But da Samuel was like, no, 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 there's somebody else, so there's gotta be somebody else. And so then this kind of like meek little shepherd boy kind of walks in the door and, and Samuel's like, yes, he's gonna be king. And then on the spot, David gets anointed as king. It's kind of weird because Saul was king at this moment, but then David gets anointed to be king. And you kind of look at David's life as a character study. He looked like he had it all together, right? He was anointed to be king. Isn't it really amazing how David was seen by God as king and he wasn't king yet? It's almost as if God can actually see your life and he knows who you are. He knows who you're going to become even before you even get there. Isn't that an incredible concept that right now you might be in your mess, in your brokenness, and the situation is so tough, and God's like, I see it, I understand that you're in it, but hey, I see something better. I see who you actually really are, and we're going to walk towards that together. That's exactly what happened for David. God sees you and who you will be before you even get there. And something happens in the life of David. He, he ends up becoming king, and he's... His, his armies are out in the fields waging war on the enemies of God. By the way, the king is meant to be there. The king is meant to be in the front lines with his people as the leader. But David found himself at home in his palace. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's often how sin catches us out, right? Wrong place, wrong time. He sees this woman named Bathsheba, he plans in his mind that I'm gonna be with her. He then pursues her and then gets her husband killed after he finds out that she's pregnant. Wrong place, wrong time. And isn't that the same as our sin in your own life personally? How do you see this playing out in your own life? Have you found yourself 
planning. You, you see this kind of like enticing idea and it kind of draws you in. It's like, come a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer. And it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's fine. Nobody needs to know about this. Ever heard that lie before? Uh, nobody's gonna know. It's gonna, it tastes amazing. Oh, it feels so good. And it kind of draws you in little by little. And that's exactly what happened for David and Bathsheba. He saw her, you see your sin, and it, you plan your sin, you plan your sin out, and then you, you pursue her, and, you, and, you, and then you, you kind of make a way to have more of it. And that's exactly what David found himself doing until this guy named Nathan shows up. This is in 2 Samuel. This guy named Nathan shows up, and Nathan kind of shares this parable. Now, keeping in mind, David has broken God's law. He's known as a man after God's own heart. He's just committed adultery. He's just gotten some dude killed. And Nathan comes up, who's a prophet, by the way, who speaks on behalf of God to David. And he's having this conversation, and he shares this story. And David's like, yeah, bro, show me who that guy is. I will take him out. He shares this parable to prove a point. And the point was that the person in the story was in the wrong. And David kind of hears the story from Nathan. And, and Nathan's like, bro, by the way, the, <laughs> it's you. The story's about you. You are the one that's in the wrong. Here's something very interesting. Nathan's name in the Hebrew means gift. Sometimes somebody telling you what you've done is wrong is a gift. Sometimes God's word is that gift because you read it and you go, I wonder if I'm, I'm, I'm living in sin, am I living against God? And you simply just page through scripture and you're like, well, I'm, I'm way worse than I thought I was. But the more you read God's word, the more you discover that God is way better than you think he was too. And so David gets caught out in his sin from this gift that is Nathan. And I'm just going to read to you what happens. The statement straight after David gets found out, the statement that he makes straight away, the first response that he makes, like he's just being called out, bro, you're the one who committed adultery. You're the one that got the guy killed. It is on you, David. You are the one who's rebelled against the Lord. You're the one who's broken God's law. And he, his first response is one that I want everybody to hear. And it's this big idea that this, I have sinned against the Lord. He sinned against Uriah, the guy that he got killed. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his own wife. He sinned against ultimately, primarily, God. Sin is first and foremost against God. And then he writes the psalm. I'm gonna make some comments about the psalm and we're gonna be done. I, I kind of get the sense that I'm just gonna read the psalm, that the introduction to the psalm is this. To the choir master, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. I can just kind of, I, I want you to picture this with me because I, I don't want to miss the immensity of what we're about to read. David was probably writing the psalm through tears. Like ugly crying, wiping the snot away. He's probably penning this down and as he's writing this down, the, the, the page is probably wet with his tears. And I, and I want you to hear what David is saying through the psalm because I think it is such a beautiful depiction of repentance, a turning back to God, a turning away from sin. Listen to what it says. Follow with me on the screen. It's, I'm just gonna read the first six verses. 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Just a quick heads up, that word for steadfast love is that word hesed, which is God's covenant promise, love. It's a love that God has promised to his people. The word mercy in the same passage actually is translated as the word womb, which is kind of weird if you think about it, but what it is saying is that the love that a mother has for her child in her womb is the same kind of tender, gentle love that David is appealing to. Notice how David hasn't even mentioned his sin yet, but he's already appealing to God's mercy and grace and love. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, for my sin is ever before me. I know as I say stuff like this right now, you're probably feeling the weight of your own sin. You, you, your sin is in the forefront of your thinking. Like you know what you've done. People know what you've done. His sin, David's sin is ever before him in the same way that our sin is a constant reminder. It's always there. Verse four, against you, you only have our sinned and has, have done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's pretty much saying this, that his whole life has been one of sin. From the very moment he was brought into this life, he was so full of sin. And now what's amazing is that David goes from looking at this one particular sin that he committed to seeing all of the sin in his life. Not just the, the small sins here and there, not just the, the cuss word when you kick your toe, or not just treating your parents like rubbish, not just you know, smoking this on the weekend or drinking this. In this moment, he's seeing all of his sin. And verse six says, behold, you delight in truth in my inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. The second point is this is that we are all guilty. There's three words used for sin in this passage. The first one is sin, the second one is iniquity, and the third one is transgression. Transgression is the active breaking of God's law. It is active rebellion. The second word that is used in this passage is iniquity, which is an idea of bending or twisting or cutting corners. And the last one is the word sin. And sin ultimately means, from the Hebrew, to miss the mark of God's righteousness. For a moment, I want you to think through your life and the fullness of who you are. Maybe you're here and you're like, Tegan, bro, what are you talking about? I've got the catechisms down. I'm good. I'm a good person. Tegan, I've never said a cuss word in my life. What are you talking about? I'm sinful. How dare you? You don't know my life. Bro, I talk to my parents like they are the amazing. They're the best people. I I've never cussed my parents out in my life. Maybe you're here and you're like, Tegan, I don't do that drinking stuff. Tegan, I... I don't even know what weed is. What is that? Like a five, like a green leaf that has like five leaves. What is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. A blunt? What is that? A joint? Whoa, whoa, what are these words? Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't know what sin is because you think that you're so good. I've done this multiple times in my life. I've thought I'm not a bad guy. I'm nice. I'm kind sometimes. I, I guess if I, if I look at God's law, like I'm not a murderer. How dare you? How dare you say that I'm a murderer? Well, actually, Jesus 
Jesus ups it up and he says, if you hate somebody, you're a murderer. I can tell you right now that everyone in this room has probably hated somebody. Another commandment is uh, do not lie. Bam, we're all guilty of that one, absolutely. Adultery, nah, dude, I'm not even married. Looked at somebody with lust, bam, Jesus says you're guilty. We are all guilty. Check this out. Take your life and put it under these four categories. Thoughts, deeds, words, and motives. Thoughts, deeds, words, and motives. And the reality is you will find out very soon that we are all guilty. We're all guilty of sin. We've, we've all committed acts of cosmic treason against the God of the universe because that's what sin is. And I want you to feel the weight of that because sin is an, is an attack on God. Sin is you are breaking actively God's laws in your thoughts, your deeds, your words, your motives. Every single one of us, Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. We're all guilty. And verse 7 goes on. It's not on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Verse 7 makes this idea of, he says this, purge me with hyssop. He's pretty much saying that the branch that they use for sacrifices, use that to cleanse me Oh Lord, he uses words like blot out my transgression, wash me, cleanse me. It is only a work that God can do. We are so sin-stained to the very core of who we are that we need something or someone to wash us in a way that only God can. And so before David even recognizes his own sin, he's saying, God, have mercy. You love me. You care about me. You, you already know me. You know my sin. You know my shortcomings. You know my fallenness. You know my brokenness. I need you. I can't do this by myself. I can't wash myself. I can't cleanse myself. You have to be the one that does it, Lord. He, he's writing just absolutely broken by his sin. And I want our hearts to break for our sin. I want our hearts to break for the times that we've rebelled against God and done our own thing and lived our own life because there is a grace of Jesus that is available for all of us. My next point is this. The cross is the display of God's grace and mercy. It is God's sign to the world that, hey, you can be forgiven. Hey, you can have your sin removed. All of it, thoughts, deeds, words, motives, you can have it clean. You can be washed new. You can be made whole because your sin made you dead, but I can make you alive. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the middle of your sin, in the middle of you acting and committing in your sin, in the view of God, God sees it all. He goes, I'm gonna demonstrate my love for you. And that's what the cross is all about. And the last point is this, and the band's gonna come up, Kevin and Savannah, it's gonna lead us in a time. But repentance is the doorway into faith but it's also the pathway of all of life. Martin Luther made the statement on the number one statement that he made on his 95 theses was this. The Christian's life is one of repentance. Repentance is the first step you take in becoming a Christian. But it's the continual steps that you'll walk the rest of your life because you will continue to sin but he will be continuously gracious and loving and kind. 
God will continually pour out his love on you. Romans chapter two, verse four, says that God's kindness leads to repentance. The cross is the great act of God's kindness to the world. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God no longer holds the sins of the world against them because he has made a way. Jesus is the way. It's the whole point of Christianity. It's the whole point of this, this thing that we call following and reading God's word. It's the whole point. Jesus is the point that you and I can turn today to get to know the God of the universe and receive his grace and mercy and kindness. And so the band is gonna lead us in a song. And what I want you to do is this. Spend time with God. Come before him and be like, God, I've messed up. Acknowledge your sin. Realize your sin. Ask him to come and do what only he can do. Ask God to show you grace and mercy. The reality is God is saying, hey, come as you are. Come with your mess and your brokenness, your sins, your thoughts. Bring, Bring your addictions. Bring your hurt. Bring your suffering. Bring it all. Just come and kneel down before me. Come and see him for who he is. Come and see him for what he's done. Because remember, when you see him rightly, when you understand how good and glorious and beautiful that he is, and you see the depths of your sin, the brokenness, the cross gets so big. And we need a big cross because we are big sinners. So the band's gonna lead us. In this time, find a space. If you want to kneel down here in the front, awesome. If you want to sit in your seat, awesome. If you want to, if you want to go stand in the back, awesome. They're going to play a song. The words are going to be on the screen. But don't leave this room unless you're doing business with God. Do business with God. Yeah?